Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Amen. Jesus, we thank you that you use sinners like us and you use all types of people. You use the smallest to the biggest, the oldest to the youngest, and you see every single person here for who we are and who we could be, and you use every single person for your glory. So, God, thank you so much for letting us be here in your place of worship right now. We don't deserve to be here, and by your mercy, by your grace, you let us be here. Let us be more than we can ever imagine because of you, and we pray that you would continue to glorify your name uh, with your help and with your you at the lead. I praise your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 23, starting at verse 25. That's where we paused last week. Going all the way to 24, verse 27. The word of God reads like this. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lucius, to his excellency, the governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. And when they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. And on reading the letter, they asked what, provident, what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he'd been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way and everywhere. We accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you that what they now bring up against me. This, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, 
I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Now, after several years, I came, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, mm -hmm. should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Mm. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, he put them off, saying, When Lucius the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. Now after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was, a, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. Now when two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Thank you for reading. Let's pray. Lord, we have read your holy word, and whether we caught much or little or some, what a grace it's been to hear the Bible read. What we pray is that you'd put the Bible where it belongs, in our heads and in our hearts, and by your grace out through our hands and feet. We want to be a people who don't just love studying the Bible and become really brainy and scholarly. We are lovers of God, lovers of Jesus Christ. We believe that all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable for everything we need in life and godliness. So do it, Lord. Take this episode and let it come to life. Let it speak to people's very real places and times and needs right now. As we were reminded in singing of the providence of God, we know that even in this very minute, you're at work. You're doing something, something powerful and miraculous. So we expect nothing less than God to do something this evening. We are here in the name of Christ. We are your children. We are your citizens. And we are your church. And we have within us in this treasure, in this broken jar, a treasure. We have something miraculous inside of us, the Holy Spirit. So come on now, Lord, and just do always what you do. Show up. Do and answer more than what we're expecting this evening from this massive, gigantic text that we just read. Create within us great delight as we study your word. It's so precious. As we said week in, week out, let's lift up the diamond and let's all marvel at the beauty and the magnificence of the word of God in Christ's name. Amen. Um, are you guys, um, speaking to the movie people, are you more inclined towards uh, fast-paced action? Or do you much rather appreciate and like the slow burner movies? Who's, who's action-paced? Okay, who's, who appreciates the slow burners? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, when it comes to reading. Comic strip, 
action or novels but yeah yeah that's good that's good, that's good. you know something that's beautiful about the bible is there's a mixture of all of that depending what genre you're in uh luke the book of acts he wrote he also wrote the book of luke this is a narrative um the book of acts is peculiar in that it's not just narrative it's a lot of discourse there's a lot of sermons and so and there's a lot of action episodes right there's earthquakes there's all kinds of healings and stuff and then there's parts in the book of acts that just seems like a lot of storytelling now luke is a doctor and he's an amazing historian but he's also a great storyteller but if if you're honest maybe like me if I'm being honest, because maybe for you guys, this kind of stuff wasn't that difficult to read through. But when I was reading through the text from last week to this week, and, and just even for the next few couple chapters, I thought to myself, why didn't Luke just go from 2311? 2311 is when Paul was in, he, the Lord stood by his side and he gave him the affirmation words and said, hey, you're going to Rome. And then why didn't Luke just go from 2311 to 27 in the epic storm on the way to Rome and then boom, we're at Rome. Like why do two or three chapters of like um, this kind of like slow burner. There's not even a lot, a lot of mention of God or the Holy Spirit much. It, it almost seems like a repeat again. Like he's just before this guy. He's before Felix. He's before Festus. He's before Agrippa. I mean, if anything, why didn't Luke just summarize from 23 to 26? Like, okay, Paul's in prison. He goes before Felix. He tells him. He goes before Festus. He tells him. He goes before Agrippa. He tells him. None of them really like, okay, we're going to Rome. Like, I would have summarized it like that. But that's why I'm not one of the inspired writers, you know? Um, it really made me wonder, like, why... Why the slow burner? Why all the details? Why, why tell so much of a story here where it doesn't even seem like these guys come to faith? It appears to be on the surface, just like, and, and everything time, every time Paul opens his mouth, it's nothing new that we haven't heard in the book of Acts already. And then the more I grappled with it, and this is why we're doing big chunks, we're going to do another big chunk next week. Um, I started to realize there's something about narrative. There's something about story that draws out and highlights the providence and the sovereignty of God. There's just something about it. I mean, if you, unless you heard the whole story and got all the little details, right? Um, I, I started to realize like what we're going to do right now is we're not going to try to just speed read or skim through this chapter and a half, all right? We're not going to dissect it either verse by verse like how we do sometimes. But this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, we're, we're read, we read the whole chunk, and what we're doing is we're getting a fuller picture of what's happening. So you and I can stand back and see that big picture and just be like, oh, and just kind of let, let him take our breath away. We're going we're gonna to see the big picture of the story, and we're going to step back and see God's hand in this. Well, what, what is God doing? And we're going to step back and we're going to see God's heart. Like, oh, like, what is, what is he about? What is he? That's what we're going to do. That's what you ought to do whenever you read narrative in your Bible. That's why for those of you who your Bible reading plans and you get to Job, don't just read the first two chapters and then speed read to the last two chapters. I don't know if you've been tempted to do that, right? Because it's just kind of like, oh, God, 
I'm on chapter 20. Get 20 more chapters of this. Gosh, I mean, they don't, right? Don't do that. In narrative, read through the whole thing, but take a step back and just kind of let the whole picture just weigh in. That's what we're going to do tonight. So that's why I had the brothers come up and we read the whole big chunk. And um, my hope and prayer is because in life, our lives are all stories right now. And all of you are going through ups and downs and twists and turns. And my hope by taking a step back and observing and seeing the big things about God is that what it would do for you and I is actually, James puts it in language like this. You have the ability then to count it all joy when you're in various trials. And all the nitty gritty details of your day, like some of you, I know had a really difficult day today. Like I know some of you had a really junk doo-doo day today, literally. Um, Okay. But all of us have days like that. And sometimes in the mundane, drawn out, slow burner parts of life, you're just left to, if you don't have a good grasp of the big picture providence of God and God's grace in various forms, when you're in the various little trials of life, you're going to have a hard time. So my hope and prayer is that as we get through this, as we observe the various trials that Paul is going through, that at the same time, you and I would be able to identify the great grace that God is doing in his life. Because oftentimes, guys, the grace of God will come to you wrapped up in a problem. Sometimes the grace of God is going to come to you wrapped up in a trial. Sometimes the grace of God is going to come to you and I in something that you thought is junk and I don't like it and I never wanted a part of it. But in fact, it was that very difficult thing that you didn't want is exactly what you needed. We're going to see that time and time again. My hope is we'll see that time and time again. God's grace in various forms. Because the question that I have for all of us in our hearts tonight is when hard, difficult situations do come upon you, can you see the grace of God? Can you find joy in that? Or are you just left to complain and grumble and shake your fist at God and bicker in the hard moments of life? Can you? Can you see grace? Can you find joy? Because James, when he says, count it all joy, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. So God mature us in being able to do this. Let's go. We're going to observe the first chunk, uh, verse 25 to 35. Okay, big picture. We're not going to exegete it hardcore, but let's just look at these things. So just to bring us up to speed, right? Paul, you got to Jerusalem. Spirit told him, don't go. You're going to get handed over, right? He goes. Um, Oh, no, the Spirit didn't tell him not to go. The Spirit said, if you go, when you go, this is what's going to happen. He went. It did happen, right? He's got handed over to the Gentiles. He's in prison. Um, all the Jews, are they hate him in Jerusalem. 40 dudes, 40-plus 40 dudes made a vow. We're not going to eat no food. We're not going to grind a burger or nothing. Um, or actually, yeah, we're not going to eat nothing until Paul is dead. All right? That's the situation he's in right now. And they made that plot. And then his nephew, remember nephew? Just so happened to be there, heard the plot, went, told Claudius. And then now Claudius is dealing with the plot. Okay, well, this guy's going to get lynched. We got to get this. We got to do something. All right, this is where we're at tonight. And now when he gets Paul, he's trying to do some things to get Paul out of there. He writes this letter and sends him with this letter. And the letter is basically vouching for this guy. And right, if you send a prisoner at a random time of the night, because they went first thing in the night, you got to send a letter for like explanation. And so in the letter, he summarizes what we've already studied, right? 
and he's sending him now to Felix. And the first point that I'm hoping that we'll see here tonight is God's grace in a various form. And this one happens to be a trap that turns into transportation. So we already mentioned this, and I want to mention this about Felix's character. He's an oppressive tyrant type guy. Um, he, the, he was so bad of a leader that there was a Jewish revolt later. This guy had three wives, um, one unknown. One was the granddaughter of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. And his third wife, who's in our episode tonight, is Drusilla, the Jewish sister of King Agrippa. Now, I just want to bring that out about his character because that's going to be important for later. Okay, this guy is just not a, a man of principle, okay? Um, now, just I just want to point out a couple of things in this. Look at in his letter. Just remember, like, okay, don't you chuckle a little bit when he says, uh, where is it? Oh, okay, uh, verse 27. The man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. And then he says, I came up, came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he's a Roman citizen. Remember that? Did he rescue him? He, he conveniently leaves out the detail that he was about to flog him. Isn't that funny? You almost kind of sense in Claudius, like trying to paint himself in a good light. But here's the most important thing about his whole letter that he's writing, because he, he retells everything that we already know. Um, but he says at the very end, where is it? <laughs> um, oh, verse 29. I found that he being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death and imprisonment. That's probably the most important thing about his letter. He's vouching for Paul. He's like, okay, I'm watching this case and they got beef about their law, but this guy don't deserve to go to, to, be, to be killed. And he's now, you got to see how, how big this letter is because now when the governor receives it, he has these images and these thoughts of Paul now. All right. He's not worthy of death. And I think that shapes the way Felix handles Paul. But the first thing I want us to see is that. And then also look down at the very end. He commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. That's the palace guard. So remember this, what man intended for evil, this trap. If, if you and I were there praying for Paul and we heard that 40 Jews were about to murder him, planning to murder him, we'd think, oh, my gosh, oh, no. But that very trap turned now into Paul's first-class transportation and safety out of Jerusalem. You see that? These are big, big things. And not just transportation, but transportation with a letter that's going to vouch for his innocence. All right? Note that. Verse 10 verses we see God's grace in various forms. Last week, salvation came to Paul through the words of a child. This week, salvation came to Paul through Calvary. God called the Calvary. This is first class. There's a lot of soldiers and horseback going with it. And know just to remember this, whether God uses a child or God uses the army, it is God. It is God that's using all these things. All right, let's take the next chunk, 24. We're going to observe one through 23. Let's just walk through this a little bit and we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we're doing here. So verse, verse one, five days passed. So that's, you know, that's great. I, I can't imagine what Paul's week was like before this, um, but five, five days, five days of good rest, probably. 
uh, five days of sleeping in the palace. That's cool. You know? And then Ananias, the high priest, and this guy, his character, he's a very greedy, violent character. Uh, Josephus says he was wealthy and haughty and dishonest. He was actually later murdered by his own people. This is how bad these characters are. But then this is what they do. They hire this spokesman, this professional uh, lawyer named Tertullus. Now, Tertullus, he's an advocate. He's a professional speaker. But they hired him because he knows Roman law and he knows the Roman ways. So that's why look at the way he talks. Um, He butters up the governor. He says, Since through you, we've enjoyed much peace. And since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made of this nation, which none of the Jews like. But look at what he says. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no farther, I beg you in your kindness. And then he says, okay, turn it over to this guy. I'm sure that when he starts talking, you'll see why we don't like him so much. Um, And he says in verse 5, We found this guy to be a plague, a parasite, and he stirs up riots, and he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. These kind of accusations, if a Roman rule hears that, that's big, like red flags. All about the governors, all governors want is peace in their province. If their province gets out of hand, they get in trouble. So to to paint Paul in this light, what Tertullus is trying to do is really throw Paul under the bus here and get him on Felix's bad side. And then, right, verse 9, the Jews join in and charge him. Guarantee the 40-plus guys who made the vow were probably there, right? I mean, I haven't eaten for five days. I'm going to show up and be like, yeah, yeah, let's just kill him already. Just whatever you do, just end his life so I can go eat. Um, But the Jews are there, and they're joining on the charge, and they're affirming. And then look at Paul. You know, Paul, he replies. And I just love how cool, calm, and collected Paul is because, guys, remember, he knows I'm going to Rome. He knows and, I, and believes in the providence and the protection of God. And he just replies and he makes his cheerful defense. Now, in his whole defense, he doesn't say anything that we've never heard before. But he, he stays faithful and clear to repeating what he said. He says, I can verify to you, you know, I haven't broken any of these laws. And I confess, verse 14, um, and according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down from the law and the prophets. Like he says the same things we've already read. And he, he's open and honest and transparent. Now, here's the biggest thing that I want to note about when Paul speaks. He brings it back here, verse 21 again. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. You see how he's always trying to get back to Jesus every chance he has. But just like in previous times before, This time he does get cut off again. Now look at it, verse 23. Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, he put him off. Now I'm imagining Felix, he's like listening to this whole thing going down and he's he's familiar enough, but you got to understand this about Felix's character. This guy's super, super worldly, super carnal. This guy's got multiple wives. He has no self-control. He does whatever he wants, takes whatever he wants. I'm imagining he's a little bit bored out of his mind, like, and almost like, Okay, uh, and once Paul gets to resurrection, I'm imagining Felix be like, okay, that's enough right there. That's enough. Yeah, I know already. Um, and then it says he puts him off. All right. Now, I just want you to, to, to imagine this. You're on trial for your life, okay? And you're trying your best to testify. And you have another chance. And then the, the judge put, put and, yet, and then your trial gets delayed. I just, I wondered in that moment if when he heard that he was getting put off and delayed, 
I wonder if that was hard for Paul. Like, I wonder if there was a part in him who was like, oh man, just let me, let me say the rest. Let me tell you more about the resurrection or, or just finish this case already. Get these guys off my back. I wonder. Now it doesn't say there's no emojis in the Bible, but I just wonder, I wonder like, cause he's getting put off now. Now, again, I want us to see that this is, this is difficult for Paul. I imagine this is hard. This is hard. But I, I hope for us to see God's grace because it, then it says he puts him off and then he says, when Lucius, the tribune comes down, okay, I'll decide your case. Whenever that happens, verse 23. Now look at this. This is huge. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody. Now look at this, but have some liberty. What? How's that? You're going to be protected in the palace guard, but you know, I'm going to give you some freedoms. And then it goes on that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs so he can have his boys over. How is that one as a prisoner? Who would have thought that getting arrested and getting thrown up in jail would be your ticket out of a city that wants to kill you? Who would have thought that being delayed and pushed off by the judge would lead to you now having some time to rest and recover with the best protection in the world, in the known world. See, guys, this is God's grace in various forms. See, I think most of us, if we were in such a situation, we would be over, over our heads already. I wonder how much of us would be deep down in despair because none of us like to be put in a situation that we didn't ask for. And none of us like to be put off. None of us want to wait. None of us want to be delayed. And later in the story, we'll see how long he gets put off. Two years. But amazing. God's grace in various forms, that being put off became a period of protection and rest and recovery with your friends. In this period is likely when he wrote to the Philippian church because it says in Philippians 1.13, he says, guys, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. That's the same Greek word for Herod's praetorium. So you want to know what's been going on in those two years of him being put off? The whole palace guard is starting to hear about Paul and his Jesus. That's crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? You know, the two years, him being forgotten reminded me of Joseph. I don't know if you're familiar with Joseph's story. Remember? The cupbearer was supposed to say, hey, remember when you get out? And then do you remember the little fact that says, but the cupbearer forgot? Two years. And you know, it's interesting. If he wasn't forgotten for those two years, let's say he was remembered and Joseph was released earlier. Then when Pharaoh had that dream two years later, where would Joseph have been? I don't know. He's a free man. But God in his amazing providence in a situation that seems junky, grace. Because him being remembered and brought out to tell the dream leads to him going to second command. You know, it's just an amazing thing. Like all these little details. I wonder if this is why Luke wanted to make the story so long. He wants the reader to see this. Like, do you see that even in the moments of your life, when you're forgotten or when circumstances are delayed or pushed back, 
or you're falsely accused or put in a circumstance you didn't ask for? Anyone know what that feels like? Anyone's there tonight? Is there a situation you're in that you wish was over yesterday? Life has been put on hold in some particular way that you wanted to get forward? The word of God may be suggesting to you this evening. There may be the grace of God in that, in a way you've never seen. Remember, Isaiah says, God's ways are not our ways, guys. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Paul knows he's going to Rome. He has just no clue how he's going to get there. But we're seeing it play out. God with us. And he never left Paul. Even though through this whole narrative, God and the Holy Spirit is not mentioned much, we see the fingerprints of God everywhere. I mean, even the favor he's getting from Felix. Felix is not a good governor. And for some reason, like Proverbs 21 says, even the king's heart is held in the palm of God's hand and he directs it like a, like a river. For some reason, Felix is like, you know what? I'll deal with this later. Um, but you know what? Give him some liberties. Yeah, he can, he can walk around the palace. It's all good. And you know what? Tell his, his friends can come. That's fine, but we'll just deal with this later. It's like, what? That is amazing. God's grace in various forms. I love it. Because I imagine for many of us who've lived through the last couple of years in this world, I'm sure the season of COVID has put some sort of wrench in your plans. May I suggest that even if things are put on hold or delayed, whatever that looks like in your life tonight, count it all joy. Look for the grace of God. He is at work. Now let's see, verse 24, more happens. Now, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish, who is Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about, here we go, faith in Christ Jesus. And he reasoned about righteousness, this is big, self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. Okay, so here we go. We see, it's funny because even after a few days, Felix just can't help himself and say, hey, let's go talk to Paul. Hey, babe, you want to come? Let's go. You're Jewish, right? Come on, let's go. It's it's Paul. Everyone knows Paul. Apparently, he's some big teacher. Let's go. And they go and they hear him speak. Now, look at this. It's beautiful. Because who would have thought, had Paul not been delayed, guys, had this detour in his life not happened, this conversation would not have happened. What I want us to see in this point is delays and detours became opportunities of evangelism and discipleship. Think about it. Who else is going to sit with Felix, the governor of Rome, who's a bully that everyone's afraid of, and tell him straight about Jesus Christ? When is that going to happen? Felix is not going to go to church. He's not going to be like, oh, Oh, even though he's married to and Jewish, he's not going to go down to her with the synagogue and listen. This is so providential. Had there not been a delay or a detour. Now look at evangelism because he shares with Felix about the faith in Christ Jesus. Now I want to point out the content of his conversation with this guy because Felix is a bad dude if you read about him. Josephus goes off about how wicked this dude is. And what Paul does not do is he does not water down his message. Look, he speaks to him about righteousness. Can you imagine telling Felix straight to his face that 
apart from the righteousness of God, you go to hell. Sinners are under the wrath of a righteous and holy. Like these are the things Paul's telling Felix. And then he speaks to Felix about self-control. The guy who has had three wives and probably many other side stuff. Paul tells him straight. And then he talks to Felix about the coming judgment. You got to marvel at our brother Paul here. He does not water down the ministry of the word, even if he's a prisoner. You know why? This is Paul. He's way more concerned about Felix being bound in his sin. He's way more concerned about the bondage of sin Felix is in than the, than the chains that are binding him. That's our brother Paul. That's who we are. That's, that's, that's what we ought to feel towards the lost. Think, pause and just think and reflect, guys. Are we sheepish about this gospel? Are we afraid to tell the good news? Are we afraid to speak of righteousness? Are we afraid to talk about self-control and the coming judgment? Don't be afraid to tell people about the judgment of God. Hebrews 10 says this. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Chapter 12 in Hebrews, our God is a consuming fire. We must not shrink back of speaking of these hard truths. Why? Because we have a good news. We have a Savior Jesus Christ, Paul was burning in his bosom to tell Felix about who can save you. Felix, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad to the bone you are. I don't care what the city thinks of you, what the Jews think of you. Felix, Jesus can save you, Felix. And your wife, who's of Jewish descent. Come on, girl, growing up, you heard the stories of the Messiah. He's alive. I'm on trial because of the resurrection. I believe he's alive and he's risen. And to this very day, this evening, do you believe he's alive and risen? Because brothers, sisters, friends, the message that Paul was trying to get to Felix is the message we need to hear tonight. Let the word of God speak to you. There is a righteousness of God and you and I can't do it. None of us could work our way to salvation. This is why the song we sang in Ephesians 2, it is by grace we've been saved through faith so that no man can boast it is a gift of God, not of works. See, I wonder if in Felix's life, a lot of the reason why he is the way he is is because he's just trying to do it himself. I'm so thankful that even for a man like Paul, when he could have considered that day a junk day, my trial got extended, pushed back. They didn't let me speak. Instead, no, he waited and was patient, and God in his goodness gave him a chance to speak the good news of Jesus Christ. That delay and detour became a great opportunity of evangelism and discipleship. Guys, just pause and think of your life because I wonder, I wonder if you're stuck in places, if I'm stuck in places, because God wants you to love a Felix. Like you want so out of that job so badly? What if there's someone right there that God cares enough to put you there because you know Jesus? You want out of this class or this relationship or this whatever, this circumstance that you consider in your mind a prison. While I'm pleading with you, brother, sister, open your eyes because maybe God's grace in various form is right there and he wants to use you.
I love this about Paul. Because what is our attitude towards life's delays and detours? Like think, what is your gut attitude when what you had hoped to do gets delayed? I'm trying to help you fight for joy. Like James says, because maybe, brother, sister, God's not letting you out of there because he's got used to, you, you still got to do something in there. Just pause and think, reflect, pray, ask the Lord. Because could it be? Could it be that that delay or detour is your opportunity to make disciples? Maybe. Will we trust God's plan and his providence? Verse 26. And at the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. Right? Look at Felix. He's not, I mean, his character, he's still the kind of guy, he's like, oh, well, I'm sure this guy knows people. He, I can probably squeeze some money out of him. He, he's going to offer me a bribe sooner or later. So he sends for him often to converse with him in hopes that maybe he's giving Paul another chance. Hey, just offer, offer it up, offer it up. And then two years elapsed. So I wonder if Felix was trying to get money for two years. And then he's like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Whatever with this prisoner already. And then he was succeeded by Portius Festus, the next governor that we'll see Paul interact with next time. Desiring to do, to, to do the Jews a favor, he leaves him in prison. But I just want to point this out. And, and I think Gabe brought it up in observation. I mean, okay, it's one thing for you to get put off. But imagine being put off for two years. And what we don't read in here is Paul saying, Felix, go away already. I don't want to talk to you. I know what you want. You want money. Just Go back, do whatever. You don't see you don't see written in here Paul getting angry, irritated. What we see in Paul is a disciple maker who will make disciples wherever, to whoever, and for however long God allows. He's gonna love his neighbor wherever. We're in Hawaii. We're in Uwanu. You're wherever you are, you live. To whoever, whoever God puts around you. Notice that Felix came to Paul. Paul didn't go to Felix. There's people who call you. There's people who text you. There's people who email you. There's people at work that just naturally gravitate and always want to say hi to you. You ever thought to think that maybe that's something God's doing? wherever, whoever, not, and hear this, especially Christians, members of this church, not just people that come to our church and visit. Don't be Mr. and Mrs. Aloha at church on Sunday and and super interested in their life. And then you go to lunch and someone's standing right there and you have a chance to talk to them and you're just like stone cold shoulder. What? What's the difference? They're a person. They're a soul. There's someone created in the image and likeness of God and they're in your midst and God brought them. I was talking to a woman just recently um, at the cemetery when I was sitting and chilling and reading and uh, she walks her dogs and she notices me and she's like, man, I want to do what you're doing. Just sit and read. This is such a serene place. I was like, grab a chair. I get beach chair. You like, and just call. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, we just, people are everywhere. God just brings people around you. Do you and I even have the presence of mind to love our neighbor, to make disciples, to 
wherever and whoever he puts in your path. Pause right now and think this. Know this. Babies are being born tonight and people are being buried. And you and I are in time and space living in the middle. You and I have no clue how much longer we have. Paul understood this. So wherever, whoever, and however long he had a chance to love someone and share Christ, he gave it. Two years elapsed. And what you find Paul all the way through the rest of the book of Acts is doing is whoever, wherever, and however long, I give him Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, I love the Bible and I love stories like this because I think it's highlighting and showing us that God really, in fact, is at work. It's just like, well, we wake up and see that we're part of this. You know, don't read the Bible and think that's them. No, we're part of this story. Leave Bible study walking out of the Bible. You're a part of it. When you read of Paul, that's our boy, that's our brother. You're a part of that. So when we close and say amen and we depart, live it. Be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, wherever you are, for however long. I know all of us in this room, we all have wild different journeys, and yet somehow in God's providence, we're all together here tonight in this time and space. But who knows? And some of our college students are leaving this week, right? Um, Where you will go, who you will meet, where you will land. Know this, though, that God is in control. He has you, and he's orchestrating all sorts of wild things. People in places that you meet, circumstances that are junk and good. He's in total control over it all. Acts 17, God determined the exact times and places where people will meet and live. He did it so that we would reach out for him and find him. He's not far from each one of us. Seek God this evening, I beg you. Because sooner or later, you and I will be before our God and we will have to give an account. So, in closing, I urge you, if you are not right with God, if you are living in sin, if your Christianity is pretend, it's a sticker, it's a shirt, please, please repent, put your faith in Christ. And if you are a Christian, hear this. God has prepared good works in advance that you and I, we live, walk in it. You want to live it up, young man, young woman? Follow Christ. You want to be closer to Christ? Make disciples. Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe. And then what does Jesus promise? And lo, I am always. To the end of the age. I love life with Christ. I love being alive. I love loving. This is what the church is called to do. Let's do it tonight. Let's do it until our final breaths. Value each other. Know that you have a very big God that knew you'd be sitting next to who you're sitting next to and for however long this will be. And so as we close in prayer, just breathe these truths in church and let's continue to walk because sooner or later, we're going to cross over into glory but we got a lot of work to do until then. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I know that was a beast of a text to breathe in, but we pray. Oh, we pray, we pray. That your grace in various forms 
would now be noticed and seen, that we would be a people who are really able, not optimistic, positivity thinking, like everything's going to be okay. But no, no, we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called. We ain't tripping. We know this. So that when we get hard news or when we turn the news on and it's unfortunate, we're not shook. We're grounded. We're secure. Our God has a plan. And what man meant for evil, God, you're meaning it for good. And so all of us here this evening, we pray that you would get us more in tune with viewing the world, viewing life, all the twists and turns and ups and downs, all of it, Lord, viewing it through the lens of the Bible. Give us this, we pray. Make us rock solid certain that we can trust in the Lord with all our heart. And we will not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we will acknowledge you and you will direct our path. So please do this, we pray. Make these things more certain in our hearts as we sing and as we leave. In Christ's name we pray and all God's children said, amen. Thou and forevermore be thine. Thou and forevermore be thine. Amen. Jesus, be forever thine.